Welcome to the podcast series, Interest Rates with Mates, with Colin, Todd, Sean, and Cass. Happy Monday, boys. Happy, Happy Monday. Monday. What's in Matilda? I won't sing it, but... Uh, you said you were going <laughs> to sing it. Come on. I can't. I just can't sing it. <laughs> How good was that game on Saturday? That was such a fantastic game. Did you just watch it? Yeah. Oh, it was two hours, nil all. On the edge of it. So I think we're the loudest uh, house in our neighbourhood. Yeah. I think so. Especially when that goalkeeper, Arnold, missed that uh, kick was for the win, I think. Yeah. I mean, oh, no, I couldn't believe it. Oh, she it. hit the post. Hit the yeah. post. Yeah. But even the, um, like, when they went into extra time, you can see France just, like, they just... Did another notch in their belt. They're just yeah. just trying to go for it. Go I for feel it. like France definitely had the better like the, the last sort of forty minutes. France were all over us. They had more opportunities than we did. We we yeah. sort of dominated for the first probably half of the game. I feel, but yeah, then they yeah. sort of came back. So but they had that goal disallowed. Remember? Yeah, yes. that's right. Yeah, yeah but so. it shouldn't have even been a corner. It was clearly out. Oh, absolutely. It shouldn't have even been a corner. It should have been a goal kick. Um, but yeah, was- and what about on the penalty shootout when Arnold like stepped off the line early and she saved it, but then she had to save it again. <laughs> I know. But she went the same, the same, same spot way. again. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then so. Courtney Vine, she's the one that finished it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how good they like? I mean, first time in um, history that the in the until, semis. Yeah, semis. It's also the longest penalty shootout in history of men's or women's. Was it twenty? Um, twenty kicks. Yeah, of, of World Cup history. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it definitely puts uh, Australian women's soccer on the radar, yeah, doesn't it? So yeah. um, very, very skillful. Yeah. 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 No, it's good. So, uh, yeah, back, back on to finance. So we're doing a, yeah. general, <laughs> doing a general chat today, but we just wanted to give a shout out to the Matildas. Uh, first one is the CBA profit, just a small $10 billion, uh, profit. $10 million or billion? No, billion. billion, yeah. 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 With a B. <laughs> annual, annual net profit, yeah, not bad. Yeah, it's so, not bad, is it? Uh, we've been waiting for that to come out for a couple of months uh, just because of CBA's pricing, so we're, we're going to see where that lands. I think a lot of the big banks have released their uh, profits now, haven't they? So uh, I know CBA is obviously the, the latest one, but um, um, but yes, it's definitely a big, big profit. Um, and interesting enough, because CBA being uh, you're sort of holding firm on pricing uh, where they've been outside of the market, really, uh, on pricing. Yeah, the interest rates have been. Uh, probably two or three months. So interest, interest rates have been quite pretty high, poor. So. Yeah. And, and, like, we've noticed that here too. Like, just our um, – like, we used to send a lot of files to CBA. Um, they used to end up in the best interest of, of a lot of our clients. Um, but over the last three months, maybe yeah. one or two files a month, just – yeah, only – only if you have to go there for policy reasons. Yep. Um, you definitely don't go there for their interest rates. Um, no, that's right. So hopefully we'll see some better pricing out of CBA over the next week or so. Mm. Yeah, looking forward to that. And um, uh, and a good thing too, like I was speaking to someone from CBA and they said uh, they hadn't uh, made any of their staff redundant either, which no, I think is a big good. thing too. So um, uh, the fact that their market shares obviously pulled back a little bit, pricing's obviously um, been quite high. But now that they've released their profit, uh, now they can uh, receive that influx of volume they're hoping, and then mm. they can uh, obviously make their timeframes quick as well. Mm. And just on price, and been a couple of mixed bags with other lenders as well. So we've had uh, Ubank; they had a increase in available rates last week as well. Um, yeah, but then Macquarie had decreased their fixed rates for three, four, and five year. So you can talk about this, Todd. Three, four, and five year fixed rates dropping. Yeah, uh, quite aggressively. So we're talking up to what was it, point six or point seven percent. Um, what are the reasons for that? Not surprised though, really. I've been saying that for a, 
few weeks now. Like now that we've had two pauses and it's quite clear that we're definitely either at the end or very close to the end of the, the rate rising cycle. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's time that the banks, like who's going to lock in for three years fixed at six and a half percent when the variable rates are around, you know, 5.8 to 6%. Yep. Um, why would you lock in at six and a half for three years, knowing that there's probably going to be some interest rate relief over the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's obviously just that now that, now that it's clear that we're sort of at the end of this rate rising cycle. Um, yeah. I think we'll start to see, those those longer term fixed rates definitely start to pull back. Yeah, I think it's um, it's really interesting, isn't it? Like with the three, four, and five year fixed rates uh, reducing. I was reading an article, might have been last week sometime now, um, but they were talking about the Reserve Bank's decision to put uh, rates on pause for the second month in a row, and a lot of it stems around the four hundred thousand fixed rates that are still mm, due to yeah. come off in the next six or twelve months. So without even raising the cash rate. A lot of the spending patterns will obviously change in mm-hmm. households because of those fixed rates coming off. Yeah. So the RBA um, basically made the decision to so say that we probably don't need to raise rates because of that. Otherwise, all we're going to do is inflict more more pain uh, on pressures in terms of spending uh, for those households as the well. The bank so. has the banks have been reporting to the RBA as well and saying that like based on looking at their data and their books that. A lot of people build up a lot of savings through COVID, through the yep. lockdowns. Yep. Um, so obviously, and now all those savings are starting to, you know, people are starting to, to wear thin on those savings. So yeah, people will change their spending habits slowly over time, but the data seems to be quickly catching up now. What do we think about assessment rates? Let's talk about that for a second, because assessment rates, I honestly believe that, I mean, look, assessment rates at the moment, we've got 3% buffer on purchases uh, for most banks. Yeah. Um, does that have to pull back in a little bit to 25 to 2%? I mean, we're, we're talking assessment rates at 9%. We're mm-hmm. up around that level at the moment. Um, if the RBA are now predicting and the banks are now predicting, obviously Macquarie Bank's a, a bank that predicts three, four, and five-year fixed rates obviously coming down that much, the markets sort of start to stabilise. Do assessment rates start to fall as well, making borrowing capacity a little bit more comfortable, a bit more easier? Uh, I think something like that might happen. I think yeah. we've already started to see in a couple of non I'll say non-conforming lenders. Um, Pepper is yeah. one. They got yep. they released. I think it was at one percent. One percent for refinances. Two percent for purchases. purchases. Yep. Um, yeah, it seems like there's a few non-bank lenders that have started to introduce sort of two yep. percent buffers for yep. for purchases. Yeah, um, and just so the listen, listeners understand, um, it's. If you're applying for a rate of 6%, the bank doesn't assess your affordability on 6%. They apply a buffer. Um, at the moment, it's it's usually 3% with most banks. However, yeah, some of yeah. these non-bank mm-hmm. lenders are starting to introduce 2% buffers. So they're only adding a 2% buffer to your actual interest rate to test your affordability. Yeah. They're trying to win the business and they will with, you know, if yeah. you can service at a 2% buffer rather than a 3 Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, but yeah, I think you're um, right, Cole. Like now that we've had two pauses, um, the data's quickly catching up. It's probably time over the next yep. few months that topic will um, start to be brought up between APRA and, and the bigger banks again. Yep. Um, and hopefully we will see some reduction there. Now, I caught it uh, last week, didn't I? Uh, in our, you did. In our you did. To December. Say that we might see a rate cut in December. I'm still sort of leaning towards that, to be honest okay. with you. The more I read uh, yeah. up on things, and uh, I think, uh, as you just said, the data lag. That data lag is going to catch up quite quickly now, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so I think there'll be um, some good data coming out, uh, obviously, at the end of this month. Um, but also, sort of month by month, I think you'll see some good data coming out now. Uh, and it, it will all start to 
to, to feed towards uh, a rate cut at some point in the next yeah. six months, in my opinion. Can I just ask, did you, was there any particular economist that sort of forecasted that as well, or you just sort of just from what you've been reading? Just from what I've been reading, yeah, yeah just in the media and stuff like that. And it was interesting, there was a, a topic uh, just from a journalist on the weekend, but they were talking about, you know, historically um, how long, uh, you know, like rates went up 13, 14 times, whatever it is. Uh, but you go back over 60-odd years, uh, and generally it's uh, like the longest they've held uh, rates with no movement is uh, like when it's gone up that, that yeah. quickly was yeah. around about eight months. Okay. Mm. Um, so, but they didn't have all those fixed rates as well, they were saying. Yeah, so, because fixed rates were quite, were quite low, uh, what they said is that fixed rates obviously, um, by the time, because I mean, even when those customers fixed in two or three years ago, the assessment rate then was about five, five and a half percent. Yeah. Yep. So, if the affordability then was tight mm. based on that, that assessment rate, and now they're coming off to six percent, that's the issue. Yeah. So. yeah, I don't think there's been any time in history where interest rates have effectively tripled over the course no. of 18 months. No, like, we, no. we know interest rates were double digits, but it's not as if they started from single-digit lows. Like They didn't double or triple over time. Yeah. Like yep. I think this is the biggest jump if you look at from a ratio point of view. Yep. Um, but just on that, um, the only reason I asked about any particular economist, because don't quote me on this, but I think it was Bill Evans, um, who's Chief Economist at Westpac, very well-respected yeah. Dr. Economist. Shane Oliver too, he's, uh, he's another one I've been following. Yep. Uh, yep. They're all, all predicting... First quarter uh, next year, yeah. rate, rate cuts. So I think Bill Evans quoted last week that yeah, rate cut in February. So yep. which descent from your sort of for, from your estimate of December? <laughs> bring it it's, only, it's only it's only one rate rise really because yep. they, they don't meet in January. Yep. So it's either December or Feb. So yeah, he was predicting February. And it's yep. not going to be the point two five that we've seen in an increase. It might start off at a. Point one, yeah, point one, point one five. Yeah, I think point first one will be point two five. There you go. Heard it here first. Heard it here first. And then we just quickly touch on just a couple of good wins. So Todd, you've had one that you had last week with self-employed, which is uh, phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, I've had two now for the self-employed, short-term self-employed. Obviously, when I had the first one, I then met with another client (laughs) a few days later, and I was like, oh well. After that win, I've got another. Yeah, I've got an option for you. Um, so yeah, basically, all it is is um, banks making exceptions to policy um, for strong applicants, basically. So we're thinking outside the box. thinking outside the box. Yeah, and and these particular clients have been told no, had been mucked around for four weeks with another bank, and and um, so yeah, it's basically just asking the deeper questions, having a look at the whole scenario, and saying, well, you got you got an amazing deposit. You've got a second income, like the wife was PAYG. Um, we need to use the male applicant's self-employed income. Yes, it, it has been less than 18 months ABN registration and we've only got one tax return. So it doesn't doesn't quite meet the strict credit policies at, at the banks. However, let's go ask the question because everything else is super strong. Let's ask the question, see if they'll assess it just in, you know, on the one year's tax return, even though the ABN's only been registered for 12 months. Um Anyway, I asked a question and over the course of 48 hours, I had three different options, mainstream options for this client. He'd been told by someone else that his only option was a non-conforming lender at eight and a half, nine percent And yeah, we got that one through at five point. I think we ended up getting getting him 5.79% after we wow. did pricing. Yeah. Um, approved within five to seven. Like it was approved within a week. Um, it's actually settling this week. Um, it's awesome. Tomorrow, the 15th. Um, but yeah, and I've got another one going through as well. Um, her ABN's only been registered for eight months, but we've got FY23 tax return and the bank is happy to just base it off, even though there's only eight months of income there, yep. they'll just take that one year tax return, obviously, um, 
basically expense it over the full 12 months so that's yeah. her 12-month income um and yeah we're away again but yeah great deposit like good deposits there's a, a secondary income there um but yeah just asking the questions and mm. requesting exceptions to policy i think it's 100 percent what you just said there is we've got a like we are asking questands yeah understanding like, the full picture yeah absolutely like and we're doing more research these days than what we ever have before really because the policies are changing I mean obviously borrowing capacity is a little bit more tighter policies um, whether they I wouldn't say policies have tightened up a little bit but um, we're probably to the contrary though I mean policies are being um, flexed a little bit more yeah know, in terms of what you're just saying there. As, so I think it's really important as you we- said before like banks volumes have dropped off considerably mm. so for strong deals where something might not quit, quite fit in the box, but every other aspect of the application is very strong, they're yeah. willing to make exceptions and like a bit of a bit more of a common sense approach. And we've yeah. mentioned before as well that um, because of the volume that we do, we've got access to credit managers, yeah. credit assessors, business development managers, and these are the one these are the people that are actually going, oh, yeah. Okay, that might work. Yeah. It's just about the story that we can actually tell them and then give them the documentation to explain that story. Yeah, look, I just had one uh, conditionally approved with uh, with Suncorp Bank. Uh, their casual policy is generally a little bit tight, no, mm. six months generally. Um, this guy was two months casual, same industry for about a year though, but he also had around $50,000 of savings on his balance sheet that he'd been able to save, you know, in uh, in his previous job. He earns quite, quite good money. Um, wants to get a pre-approval to buy a second property. He ran that past a few banks. Most of the banks said, no, he's got to be six months. Suncorp said, oh, yeah, we can see he's got propensity uh, because he's been able to save money in his previous job. Even if we use the same income from his previous job, still services the mm. uh, the amount of money that he needs now, even though his income's more now. Um, so Suncorp conditionally proved that one too. So, again, there's more more questions that we're asking um, and lenders are, um, are coming to the table. I had a good mat leave one as well where um, leave, yeah. return to work letter, um, we were able to use that income. Actually, I think she only returns in February next year, but yep. thank her happy to do that because she's got supporting savings, yep. um, Centrelink payments to help her through until she goes back to work. Yeah, so in fact, that's just, a good a good one. Let's talk about that just quickly before we yeah, uh, yeah. wrap up. So maternity leave, most banks have a policy where if you're returning to work to the same job and you're going back to a permanent role, can't be casual. Correct. Um and you might have an income right now, but you might have good savings on your balance sheet because you built that up, whether it be in your home loan, offset or redraw, or just in a separate savings account. Um, and we can show the bank that you've got uh, the amount of money to cover your income, okay, until you go back to work. Then banks will use that income, uh, like Sean was just saying. So uh, we've got plenty of deals done with banks that way. Um, and, and for some customers, I mean, I can think of one uh, couple, they were able to buy a dream house because of that policy. It's a great policy. I even had one where it was offshore. So she was working remotely here in Australia for this research company in yep. the UK. Um, Suncorp did that one too because yeah. they wanted a um, – uh, you might have to help me here um, – like a bank that doesn't invest in fossil fuels like a um, – Green bank. Uh, yeah, yeah, like a green bank, yeah. yeah. So and, and Suncorp is. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. One, of the, one of the bigger banks that actually is a yeah, – Eco-friendly, um, yeah, doesn't invest in. You know, Does the right thing. Like, there's a word for it. I can't think <laughs> of it. Probably like the ANZ didn't buy them. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, yeah. At, at least they're a good option that we can recommend when we when yep. we get people that are um, yeah wanting that. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. If ANZ did buy them, then <laughs> back to the drawing board. I might have to refinance that one. <laughs> Um, so that ends this week's general chat. Now, Todd, you might not be here next week. No, I may not be. My family's growing. By two. Yes. By two, eh? There you go. Twins due any day now. Oh, gosh. Well, good luck. Thank you. I'm going to yeah. need it. <laughs>
It might just be Sean Owen on the next yeah. one. Yeah. In fact, we might have someone new to introduce too. Oh, we might. Make it away secret, so. All right. We'll keep it for next week. Done. All right. Until next week, see you then. See you then. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future topics, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. All of these episodes are available to download for free wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care.